It is the Brink, your favouritest podcast that you don't really bother listening to, but who cares because we're here to talk you through another episode with exciting things to chat and guests and everything and covering different countries of the world and other random bits that we like to throw back to. But this week, it was a big week in the world because the greatest country on the planet celebrated its birthday. And to learn a lot about that, let's play this. Bringing in everybody's 87th favourite American, it's Casey Howran. Casey, welcome back to the bridge. 87th? Yes. Do you want me to list all the 86 other Americans above you? Because we could be here for a while. Uh, yeah, let's go. <laughs> no. Um, but, uh, How dare you? Happy, happy American birthday for the week. Um, and when I say the greatest country in the world, it's, it's forced I have to say that. Otherwise, I will get shot. But... Um, how how did you celebrate July 4th, Independence Day, the greatest day on the planet? Went to the pool and drank and went out to dinner and then went to bed. Sound, it sounds very American. Is that the general Casey way of celebrating uh, July 4th? Yeah. Don't usually do anything too crazy. Is that uh, when it comes to uh, America and celebrating this, this day... Is that a level of, oh, we're going to try and find craziness or is it, I just want the day off, I'm going to lay in bed and not do much? Um, probably more people want to find craziness or at least just spend the whole day drinking. But, you know, all in the name of America. Which, it was a weird one this week though because it fell on a Tuesday, which of course means that your day off is on the Tuesday, which the elephant in the room means that you have a weekend off and then you go to work on a Monday and then you have the day off on Tuesday, which seems a bit silly for me, but I mean, I guess you can't really control a calendar unless you go back in time and change however they invented it. But is it a case that most businesses let people have the Monday off or did it depend really on where you worked? I think it really depended. I had off, so. You work for a good company. Really... That's what you're trying to say. <laughs> yeah. I guess so. Which <laughs> Don't know about everybody else, but... I've been there on July 4th, so I know the pomp and pageantry, but for the people who are listening who haven't and have only seen it on TV, it is a big deal, right? Like fireworks galore and flags. And I mean, for 364 days of the year, you're still doing that sort of stuff. But on July 4th, it's like it's, they, they turn up the week to like 11, don't they, essentially? Like, here you go, America! Yeah, pretty much. Like everybody wears red, white, and blue and drinks a lot, parades, fireworks, everything is lit up red, white, and blue. What is a July so, 4th parade? Is it just a bunch of eagles and guns? Um, I'm sure in some places. <laughs> like I don't know. I think like... <laughs> Sorry if that's offensive, one... but just, let's be honest. Come on. That's what we know you guys yeah, for. no, for real. <laughs> but like actually... I think the one, like, near me would be just kind of more low-key. Usually it's, like, the fire department and then local organizations or clubs will put together floats and then just walk down the street playing <laughs> all of the songs about America. How American. All right, today we're celebrating the 4th of July. The fire department. Walk down the street. 
<laughs> kind of. Got to hope your city doesn't catch fire that day. Why, why is my house on fire and it's not been putting out? The local fire department's just walking down the street. Oh, 4th of July. Understand. <laughs> I mean, I Burn don't think house. they send Burn. everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so I just have this image of every city in America. Oh, let's celebrate our national day. Fire department, walk down the street. <laughs> no. It's not funny, but it's funny at the same time. Um, Don't what, think that's how it is. There really a, is. A, a, like, I'm guessing it's what, a cookout, like a barbecue? That's just your traditional July yeah. 4th. Is there a, like a July 4th dish? Like, you know, is there something really American that you've got to eat, like a hamburger? Or, a, you know, an eagle. I keep going back to the eagles, but let's be honest, they're there. No, I had Mediterranean tapas yesterday. Oh, how very but... American of you. <laughs> Multicultural. I like it. <laughs> like, I guess the typical barbecue would be, yeah, burgers, hot dogs, lots of potato chips. Not potato on white salad, bread, though. Coleslaw. <laughs> no, no. No. <laughs> um, Hamburger buns and hot dog buns as mm. they were designed to be eaten. Okay. Okay. I'm glad that America can police the world in that uh, when it comes to mm-hmm. how meat should be eaten in bread. Uh, one thing I saw, though, which because one thing you guys do great on big holidays, you know, you'll usually have some sort of thing that ties with it, right? So, like, I'm thinking Memorial Day is kind of like there's a big movie that gets released, right? It's Memorial Day weekend and... Thanksgiving, you often have what, like a big football game. Even Christmas, you've got like a big football game. You had on July 4, MLS set a world, well, an MLS record for 83,000 people showed up to the Rose Bowl in LA. I don't know how much you knew about this, but LAFC and LA Galaxy played out and 83,000 people. So I don't know if this is now going to be the tradition of, it seems as the MLS is growing so big in the, in the U.S., that maybe that's thing, but I mean, eighty three thousand people do a soccer game. I'm sure even that blows yeah, your mind. Yeah, Yeah, it does. That's insane. Like, why? <laughs> <laughs> you went to some L- MLS games with me. They weren't bad. They weren't bad. I just don't know how they draw a crowd of eighty three thousand, unless like they then hosted fireworks well, and so lots what, of all this stuff after. From what I gathered or what i heard is that kind of is true so apparently in la their big fourth of july celebrations are within that precinct of the rose bowl the uh the coliseum or whatever it is called there um so apparently you've got to pay a ticket to get into that to see the fireworks so what they did is if you wanted to go see it you have to get a ticket to the game to do it so therefore, okay. but that's clever. That's, that's why clever everybody marketing. went. But come on, that's clever marketing. It is. That's but, very clever. But yeah, that is the only reason eighty-three thousand people went to an MLS game. But here we are talking about it. We're after it. Eighty-three thousand. The sponsors will see it. Apple TV, who own it now, will see it. I mean, it's it's a big deal. Are you on the Messi train now that Messi's coming to the US, or you don't give a shit? I don't give a you shit. Don't give a shit. Okay, good to know. Uh, you do. Uh, I think the interesting stat about him going to the MLS is now that Miami, into Miami, have I think more followers on their socials than any NHL team, and I think they're literally only about two or three in the entire country behind you know a couple of NBA or NFL teams. Like it's that gone through the roof so much with him going there. Wow. Well, so there you go. There's some stats. But the the big one that I talked to you briefly yesterday, which I know you give a shit about, but I'm bringing it up anyway. The Gold Cup, USA versus Canada in the quarterfinals. Uh, <laughs> you just recently beat Canada in the uh, the Nations League. 
But uh, are you going to be sitting there watching the quarterfinal of the Men's Gold Cup or are you just waiting for the Women's World Cup starting in a few weeks because you actually would do good in that? Yeah, more so just waiting for the Women's World Cup because we're going to kick your ass in that. Well, I don't think we actually will play you until the final, by the way, if that if that's how it plays out. But uh, are you genuinely excited for the, the Women's World Cup? Yeah, I think it's just nice when we always win. So. <laughs> <laughs> this is so American. No, we it just definitely always win. makes it more exciting. So if you don't win, what's going to happen? Um, it'll be like me and the Stanley Cup finals where I just don't watch. <laughs> what if you're in the final and you lose, though? Well, then that's just really sad. But, hey, we did our best. <laughs> I love this cockiness. Like, yeah, America, we're going to win. You get to the final, we lose. Well, we did our best. Uh, I do appreciate that about America. You are very much like a, okay, yeah, we'll take it on the chin unless you're from like Philadelphia. But like, whereas Australians, we'll just whinge about it for two weeks. Oh, we were robbed. We should have won it. We do this. Or if you're England, you just whinge all the time. So that's, yeah, pot joke that England, I'm sure you're watching the Ashes right now. You love it, don't you? You love the cricket. Uh-huh. <laughs> cool. Uh, have you also been, uh, we talked about Taylor Swift last time. Have you uh, been paying attention to the rubbish that's happening in this country right now about how everybody's going oh my God. crazy Shut about up. <laughs> Did you know, I learned, and you can hear more about this on now uh, sister show, Eurovision, that next year Eurovision is in Sweden, right? Now, cities mm-hmm. have to bid in each country to host Eurovision. So Stockholm, one of the four cities bidding for Eurovision, they want to hold it in their football stadium, which holds 50,000 people because they're like, hey, we're good at Eurovision. We'll get 50,000 people to Eurovision. But the issue is, is a certain Taylor Swift has a concert there that weekend. So apparently Taylor Swift is preventing Eurovision from being held in the nation's biggest stadium. Now, I have a solution to this, which, of course, is next year is a 50th. Taylor Swift headlines Eurovision. Fuck off. I want to watch Eurovision and not vomit. <laughs> The solution is for Sweden, and Sweden can take this as much as they like. Next year is the 50th anniversary of ABBA winning Eurovision. Now, ABBA have come out and been like, oh, no, we don't want to go to Eurovision. They'll go to Eurovision. What Let's be was that? That was like a Russian-Swedish accent. I don't know what that was. But I'm saying right now, if ABBA confirmed tomorrow that they would reunite for the first time in person, none of this crappy avatar shit that they've got going on, if they were to go in person... Sweden would, like, declare a state of emergency and be like, fuck off, Taylor Swift, ABBA takes precedence. Come on. I don't think so. I think... ABBA trumps Taylor Swift. Everybody knows that. I don't know. Have you seen how much Taylor Swift has single-handedly improved economies in every single city (laughs) she's been to? I'm sure Stockholm is thinking that they want that Taylor Swift money. Did Taylor Swift get offered a billion dollars for a concert? No, no one can top um, that for one concert. I'm not talking about an entire tour grossing that amount of money over a year. ABBA were famously offered a billion dollars to reunite about a decade ago to perform one concert, and they said no. ABBA are that yeah. powerful that they turned down a billion dollars to perform once. Come on. You right now, if I said, Casey Harron, I've got a billion dollars, you're going to stand on stage at Madison Square Garden naked and eat a chicken. You would do it. It's a billion dollars. Everybody would do that. Come on. Okay. <laughs> I don't have a billion dollars, and I'm not going to offer you to stand naked in Madison Square Garden, but I'm just saying everybody would do that. So 
Yeah, well, I also think in today's world, just more people are probably hyped about Taylor Swift than ABBA. Like, sorry. No, I, I, you are 100% correct. You are. That is that is a very true statement. That is the fact. So I would agree with Taylor you. Taylor Swift playing at the stadium is more guaranteed revenue than I, a I would just, hypothetical. In the nationalism that is Sweden. I mean, like, you right now, you're sitting around at home, you're doing nothing, and Sweden comes to your mind. You're thinking ABBA, you're thinking IKEA. That's about it. <laughs> so like, whereas America, you're like, oh, America, you think like 4,000 things because you've got so many good things. And not say Sweden doesn't have, have good things. I'm sure they've got some great music outside of ABBA. You know, Laureen, she just won Eurovision for a second time. She's great. But... Hello to all our Swedish friends, by the way, if they're listening. Uh, I am part Swedish, so I feel I'm allowed to get away with saying this sort of stuff. But <laughs> You are? I am, yes. You didn't know that? No. I knew about the Scottish heritage, but... One half Scottish, one half Swedish, the other side of the family. So, you know, yeah. I don't know. Is that how you say yes in Swedish? I have no idea. Um... <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with it, but uh, are you, where are you next seeing Taylor Swift? Is it here in Australia or? <laughs> I don't think so. Considering I have seen all the hype that people are struggling to get tickets already. And I think it's going to be the same in Europe. We signed up for a couple of the pre-sales for Europe in, I think, Paris and London and Scotland. <laughs> Any. I, so I was just going to jump in and say that there's got to be at least one, and I want to look at the tour here, and this is, again, no disrespect to any cities or countries that I mention here, but there's got to be, like, one, right? Like, I mean, yeah, Paris, London, they're going to be huge. Scotland, like, big, you know, fans. But, like, is she going to, like, Luxembourg or something like that? Like, I know she's famously avoiding I Canada. wish she was because <laughs> then I would... Well, I would definitely you, go to okay, so I'm looking I can here. stay for free. All right, so let's look here at some of the, you know, she's going to obviously major cities here, but what Nanterre in France. Is that actually in Paris? Oh, no, it's in the suburbs of Paris. Never mind. Okay, we'll take that back. Let's look here at um, Germany. She's going to uh, Gelsenkirchen. I have never heard of that city, so surely there's your in. I don't know what the demand is for tickets for Taylor Swift in Gerselgrin, Germany. <laughs> I don't know either. There I gotta go. imagine that she's playing in places that have the biggest yeah. stadiums. Well, that's that's it, right? So she's not coming home. It's a city with, but if it's a city with a major stadium, then gotta assume that there's enough people in the nearby vicinity who'll want to go. Well, right now she's uh, she's in Kansas by the looks of things. Going to Denver, Seattle, uh, Santa Clara, Inglewood. Um, yeah, I mean, all big cities. But I, I don't know. I think that's your in. I think you're going to go to Gelsenkirchen in Germany, uh, which is just a couple of days before the Olympics. So a lot of the Germans might be going next door to France to be all like, Guten Tag, let's go Team Germany. So filter out the Germans as they go into France. I don't know if we're allowed to say that anymore. It's been nearly 100 years. That's okay. Uh, but, like, they would be <laughs> emptying their country. Start a World War II joke, Ben. Why not? Um, <laughs> but I don't know. Like, there's some ideas for you. I'm helping you out here. Vienna in Austria. Don't know how much the Swifties are in Austria. You know? It seems they might be everywhere. Yeah, unfortunately. Is she not going to Asia? Yes. Oh, no, she's going to Japan. Yeah, right. she is. She's going to Japan Africa. and Singapore. Avoiding Africa, Tay-Tay. What's going on? 
Don't like your African Swifties? Hmm? Or do they have huge South stadiums Africa? to play? They had a World Cup in 2010. They've got stadiums. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> maybe she will. Maybe. I feel like she's still going to announce more places. It is a long time to be touring, if I'm being honest. She started in March this year and she's going yeah. all the way to August next year. So. Yeah. She's like better than any athlete in the world. <laughs> okay. I'll let you. I'll let you have that. <laughs> Don't even get me started. I, you I, know it's true. I, she, I see like your tennis. Athletes... Well, take a look at a tennis player, and you tell me what off season they have. They play basically twelve months a year. So I would argue with you with that. Yeah, but. They are playing in, like, short bursts. But they also don't oh. have a time frame. A tennis match can go on forever. It has no end date. End, end date. End time. Yeah, but it's still, like, short bursts and then a break and then, like, you do short bursts. She Taylor sings Swift a song and buggers off and has a freaking Avion water no. and comes back on. <laughs> she is on stage for three hours and 15 minutes consistently. The longest break she has is like two minutes, and that's when she's sprinting from one end of the stage to the other to do a quick change and get right back on stage. You know what I love about having and you on this singing... show is I can fire you up so easily. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> keep keep calm, off. dickhead. Oh. <laughs> yeah, fuck off, dickhead. Uh, we're going to come back with a little more of a fun segment shortly with Casey after our next segment. It's a pleasure to go across the ditch and hear some of this because it's time to talk to Nick Chester about New Zealand. Nick, welcome back and sorry for turning you on as always. <laughs> it's a very seductive sound, that's for sure. I know. It just um, really gets you in the mood to want to talk about all things New Zealand. But at the time of recording this, about a week or so ago, a tragedy happened, Nick. A tragedy for your beloved Chiefs because they had a near-perfect season. They they won every game except for one and went into the grand final of the Super Rugby or Super Rugby Pacifica, as it's called now, of course. Uh, I'm guessing as the favourites, you know, such a dominant season. But then it didn't all go to plan. And I thought maybe you need some time to vent, get angry. I don't know how you're feeling a week and a half after this because you messaged me that night and didn't seem very happy about what had happened. No, well, I think it pro- probably is a good thing that we've um, we've given us a bit of time to rest. And um, <laughs> I, I think probably the the what's been going on with the Ashes recently is, is kind of brought into this this whole thing about controversies of how games end and things like that. But um, yeah, I suppose for people that aren't massive rugby fans, that basically yeah, the Chiefs um, made the final. Um, the, the, whoever wins that, whoever's the highest placed team who qualifies for the final gets to host it. So it was in Hamilton, which is which is really cool. Um, but they did have to take on the Crusaders, who were the you know defending champions and had won it like six times in a row, and you know like the they're kind of like the best team out. So like beating them was always going to be a big ask, even though they had done it twice this season already. Um, and I guess probably it was a game that was. Um, yeah, I guess marred by a bit of controversy in the, the refereeing department. Um, basically, the Chiefs ended up getting three yellow cards during the game, so they spent half an hour of the game 
down to 14 players, um, which is never going to be easy against the Crusaders. Um, and and there were a few other calls that didn't quite go their way. And, and I think watching in real time was pretty frustrating. Um, and the, the rules of rugby are frustrating enough, to be fair. Like, I'm a fan of rugby, but it is a hard game to watch and, and try and make out what's going on. And um, I did happen to be trying to bounce a baby to sleep on my lap while I was watching the game. So you weren't was, there. Was, you did, you yeah, didn't go. Yeah, to I was, I was, no, I didn't take a baby to the final. No, I was <laughs> I was at home. But, um, yeah, and, and I, I, there were like lots of calls in the moment watching it kind of being like, I don't really understand why that was a thing. And um, it, we ended up losing. We, like, So the Chiefs were, were leading most of the game despite all these calls going against them. Um, and then there was, you know, eventually right at the death, they kind of lost it um, by five points. So it was a really close game. And I think most neutrals really enjoyed the game. Um, but yeah, as a Chiefs fan, it was pretty frustrating. I think the first yellow card was absolutely warranted. I don't think anybody could argue that it was a, a late and, and very high tackle. And the, the guy was actually lucky not to get a red card for it. So I don't think there can be any complaints about that but um, the other two were a little bit ho-hum didn't really understand what was going on and I think it's one of those things where I had a friend who kind of made this point of like technically I don't think you could really argue that much about any of the calls that were made against the Chiefs but if it had been the other way around, if the Crusaders had made those mistakes, would they have been called? And I guess the Crusaders are probably, I'm assuming there's an AFL team that, that you can um, relate to, Ben, but there's always that team who seems to win all the time. They're really successful. And, you know, the refereeing calls always seem to kind of go their way. Um, and I would say probably the English football equivalent would be Liverpool, who hmm. everything seems to, you know, the ball bounces in their direction all the time, you know, like, so technically, I'm not suggesting corruption or anything like that, but things always seem to to go their way and the Crusaders are definitely that team in Super Rugby and so I think when you're up against that it can be really frustrating as the team that is on the receiving end of that and yeah. like an example is you know like the Crusaders had a, a, like one of their passes and the lead up to one of their tries was a, was forward by three metres and <laughs> nobody picked it up oh. um, three metres that's not yeah, even close yeah. What? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And it's just like, you know, they kind of showed the replay on one of the screens during the game and you could hear the whole crowd booing. Mm. But I guess the, I guess probably the, the, the kind of button on the end of this was actually that, unfortunately, the referee got a lot of abuse online after the game and, you know, people wishing him ill and, you know, all the stupid idiots online, you know, like you, it's always going to happen. But it, it, it was really unfortunate because actually the reality was the ref didn't have a great game and I don't, I don't I'm, I'm not going to you know ever going to go online and, and abuse a referee that's ridiculous but um, I think it's kind of it's kind of um, disguised the fact that actually he did make some blunders and that cost the Chiefs and it's actually okay to say that um, yeah. and you know I think probably the Crusaders would say that there were probably some calls that went against them too but uh, yeah, for my money and I'm always going to be slightly biased I think you know the rub of the green just wasn't with the Chiefs when it came to some of those big decisions and in a big game that's tight like that you the last thing you need is kind of things not going your way so it was it was pretty frustrating to watch I certainly wouldn't um, condone anybody abusing a referee that certainly not a nice thing to have happened but um, yeah difficult way for the season to end um, especially given what a great season it was for the Chiefs I was going to say you, you win every game bar one which uh, you know is, is pretty good was that the most successful super rugby season ever do, do you know or yeah I don't know I mean uh, the, the Crusaders have probably had one 
I don't. I don't know if anyone's had an unbeaten season, but um, yeah, I it's and I think probably you know it, it's probably a little bit different now. Like in the days when the South African teams were in there, it was always difficult to go to South Africa and, and win. Um, so it's probably never quite happened, but it, it must be pretty close. And that loss they had to the Reds was. I mean, they probably should have won that game too. I watched that in real time and they were like bombarding the try line for the last 10 minutes and just couldn't quite get that that final flourish to win the game. So, yeah, I think um, a really great season. It doesn't take anything away from the fact that they just had an, an awesome season. And it's one of those things where like, you know, as a Chiefs fan, I kind of feel like I just want to see them win. You know, just want to see them win a title. And it's been 10 years since they won, but I kind of look back and they've actually made the playoffs almost every year. Mm. Um since then and that's that's still it's pretty impressive like to think because I've been you know a Chiefs fan my entire life and have spent many a year watching them languish at the bottom of the table by um, being coached by the the now All Blacks coach Ian Foster um, and you know like and that was that were, those were tough days and we were kind of like the laughing stock of Super Rugby and so now we're, we're a real force to be reckoned with and you know the, the Crusaders coach is obviously moving on to be the All Blacks coach uh, next year so there might be a bit of a you know a reshuffling of things and Maybe maybe the Chiefs will become the the big form team from from next year. Who were, knows? Were they expected this year to do as well as they did? Was this predicted? Because I believe you got semi finals last year, so you didn't yeah. even make the final last year. Yeah, I, I I don't. I mean, it's hard. I think because I think you, the only thing guaranteed really in Super Rugby is that the Crusaders will be there hmm. at the end all the time. And I think there's like so I think this was actually very similar to last season where the Blues. The Auckland Blues did exactly the same thing. They went through the whole season almost unbeaten, um, made it to the final in Auckland, and then lost the final. Um, So I think you know, like there's kind of a few teams that are that are kind of jostling to to be there with the Crusaders now, and so I don't think it was ever really expected. I think last year the Chiefs had a really bad start, and um, I, th- I think they kind of obviously made the the, the semis, but I, I it didn't ever feel like it felt like it was just like a coronation for the Crusaders, and eventually, you know, we were going to get beaten by them at some point. So, yeah, it's um, it, it, but it is nice to think that they're probably a. A, a team that's right up there now, but um, having seen two of the teams I support make finals and lose this year, I'm, I'm um, I just want to see a team I support win something. You know, like a, it's nice to see them do well, but I kind of I just want to see a team. I you know, want to see a captain of a team I support lift a trophy. That's that's all I want. I wasn't going to mention Manchester United beating you guys, but uh, <laughs> we'll move on from that. I'm just I'm quickly browsing through the history of the Super Rugby competition. In 2002, in an 11 game season, the Crusaders went undefeated, winning all 11 games to win the title and in 1997 in an 11 game season Auckland went 10 wins and one draw with no losses to ultimately right. win the title as well so yeah. uh, what is it about the Crusaders though that as you said what about six in a row they've won um, including what a couple of those regional ones I think that you had during the, the yeah. lockout but I mean what is it about Christchurch and just always winning like how do we stop them yeah I mean, Canterbury's always been a really strong rugby area. And I mean, probably when I was growing up as a kid, Auckland with a big team, you know, like in the, the late 90s, the mid to late 90s, the, the you know, Auckland were the, were the team everybody hated because they won all the time. Um, and that kind of has slowly shifted to be Christchurch. And I think kind of like once you have a winning mentality and a record, people kind of want to go there. And I think you even think like Dan Carter, like people think of him as being like, obviously this Crusaders legend and, you know, this Cantabrian, but he, he was born Auckland. Auckland, right? Like, so he's an Aucklander who moved 
down there because that's where the success was going to be and it was a good setup and and I think obviously Scott Robertson's a great coach and I think it was an awesome decision to make him the new All Blacks coach um, so yeah I think they've just got a really good system they've got you know good players and a culture and I think it's that whole thing about you know culture kind of if you've got a good culture it can overcome a lot of things and you know to be fair the Crusaders you know, you, you you love to hate them, right? Like they're a good team and you, you can't help but admire them. And um, yeah, I mean, it, it is just one of those things where they just, they know how to win. They, and that experience of winning hard games at the business end of a competition, you know, like it, it's hard to replace that. Um, so they just know how to win when it really matters. Which also looking at the way this season worked, because I mentioned to you off air how I went to a one game this season, a Waratahs Highlanders game, but I didn't realize that what in a is it a twelve team competition? You have a final eight, which I yeah, mean, that's stupid. How yeah. dumb is that? Uh, yeah. I don't know what the Highlanders missed out on percentage or points difference, however you describe it in in rugby. Which I mean, it just seems dumb that in a twelve team competition that that amount of teams make a, a final. So you've got a quarters, a semis, and a and and a final there. So uh, seems a bit ridiculous. But it's I mean, I think the the confusing thing for me with super rugby is given everything that happened in the last few years with what the, the South African teams leaving, you had Argentinian teams, you had Japanese teams, you had COVID. Now all of a sudden it's just Pacifica, you've got Fijian teams and Samoan teams and now it's just like it's it's hard to keep track. I feel like rugby in general has become a little bit hard to to stay on top of in the last few years, which is interesting. Now in a World Cup year as well, which as you and I were saying off air seems to be that we keep forgetting that this is a rugby world cup year. Yeah, I, th- I actually quite like the model that we've got now because I think pro- like when Super Rugby obviously started as being like Super 12, that was the thing that came out of you know the professionalization of rugby in the late 90s. Um, and so you had kind of 12 teams, five from New Zealand, four from South Africa and three from Aussie. And that was a really tight competition. You had a semi-finals, the top four made semi-finals. Um, and then kind of like, you know, as, as a lot of these sports do, like, and I think, you know, NRL's probably had these issues in the past as well of like, you expand and then suddenly like that tight competition of 12 becomes 14 and becomes 16. And then you've got odd numbers and, you know, bye weeks and, you know, like how many make a playoff. And, you know, I, I really like that we've gone back to 12 and I would like to see it be a top four, you know, yeah. straight, straight smash, you know, um, semifinals. Um, but they, they obviously like playoff games. And I think probably the, the trade off to that is that you saw, you know, the Fiji and Drua obviously made the, made the quarterfinals this year. They were in eighth place or seventh place, I think. Um, and, and so that was really cool. Like that for them, that was a really awesome achievement. And, you know, I think if we, if we only had a top four, it would be quite a long time before you would see, you know, Fiji and Drew and make that level. So I think to give them a playoff game, I guess is the trade-off, but yeah, I think it's a little bit messy, but I think rugby's a, a, a like I, I enjoy it, um, but I think it is a hard game because the rules are so like, they're just a bit oblique. It's quite hard to kind of know what's going on a lot of the time. Um, and so, yeah, it can be really hard to follow. And it is one of those sports that, you know, like unlike kind of something like football where it kind of, you know, there's obviously a few regional differences in terms of the style of play. I think like rugby is so different in the Northern Hemisphere than it is to the Southern Hemisphere. Mm. And so like depending on where you're watching, like it can be a completely different game. Mm. Um, and so, so yeah, I think that doesn't help either. Um, and I think even like talking about formats, I think the Rugby World Cup format is a complete mess. I think like having those those four 
groups of five so that like you have so many group games that are kind of pointless like I think the All Blacks play like Namibia and Uruguay this year and it's like obviously you want to have those minnows take on the big guys you know maybe once that's an interesting game but you know Uruguay versus France and then Uruguay versus New Zealand it's going to be a complete blowout Um, and so yeah I I think it's a bit of a mess like you just don't really have 20 teams that are good enough to be in a a rugby world cup but they didn't want to go 16 because it's too tight or whatever you know so uh, yeah I, I think like format stuff is a real problem for for rugby as well and I think it's similar to cricket isn't it that you've kind of got this shortened version of the game which has sort of captured a lot of people's attention so you kind of expand that so we're seeing that with the the men's one day world cup this year for cricket I think it's what 10 or 12 teams and you've just seen West Indies not qualify you know and mm. you've got teams like Sri Lanka and Zimbabwe having to qualify for a world cup which just mm. doesn't seem right mm. and gone are the the great days of the one day world cup where you have canada and the netherlands and scotland and all these countries that outside of a world cup when are they ever going to get to play a game of cricket and now they're yeah. switching focus to 2020 sure but i don't know i miss those good old days of being able to watch you know namibia versus canada in yeah. a cricket world cup right like <laughs> now that yeah and, and, and yeah and, and, you, and you're totally right around sevens because i think sevens is actually a really cool sport to watch i think that's kind of you know like for somebody who's not into rugby i would and i i, I remember very clearly taking um, somebody who was flatting with us when I was at, at university and um, they're from Sweden. I was like, well, before you go home, you've got to see a rugby game. And I remember taking them to the Chiefs versus Reds game in Hamilton and it was the worst game of rugby I've ever <laughs> witnessed in my life and like now if I had the same situation I would show that person some sevens because I think that that's the more interesting way to kind of get into rugby really it's kind of like that gateway drug into rugby yeah I had a, a similar thing with a with with Casey good friend of the show here when she was here over Christmas went to a uh, 2020 big bash game which is the exciting form of cricket right you know show an American this is what cricket is it was the worst game of 2020 <laughs> I've ever been to like the Brisbane Heat were like six for 22 after 10 overs. And I'm like, this is not how 2020 is meant to work. They're meant to want to hit the ball and get sixes and fours. Uh, So it didn't quite play out that way. Speaking of formats and World Cups and All Blacks, because there is a connection to the All Blacks for the World Cup, the Women's World Cup, Nick. At the time of recording this, we're only two weeks away. Very excited. We were talking about off-air, about all this sort of stuff. Hamilton's obviously got a few games. You've got some tickets. How how are you feeling? Uh, how is New Zealand feeling? And uh, what, are you, what are your thoughts ahead of this? Because it, it's here. Yeah, I think a bit underwhelmed, really. Like, and and that's nothing about about women's football or anything like that. I just think it's kind of like crept up on us. And um, I think kind of like, you know, my only real comparison is thinking about well, there's a couple, I guess. There's the Rugby World Cup that was here in 2011, and then there was the Cricket World Cup that we shared hosting with you guys in 2015, I think. Yeah, it was 2015. Um, yeah, and I think kind of like the buzz around those events was massive, but a big part of that was it actually the host, Kiwis as a host nation had a real chance of winning. We obviously did win the Rugby World Cup that year, and we got into the final of the Cricket World Cup. Whereas this time around, I think like Kiwis are pretty parochial, and you know, like we don't have a great feeling about our women's team. They kind of You've never won saw, a game at the World Cup ever. Well, I think I saw the like the last however many games they've kind of conceded thirty goals and scored five. Like it doesn't mm. really bode particularly well. And and, and I, I think that's okay. Like we don't have to be great at everything and and 
you know, like it, football's not, a, a, we're not massive on the world stage and, and that's okay. And I think actually if, if the, the New Zealand team doesn't do well at this World Cup, that shouldn't stop people from enjoying the experience. And I think, you know, New Zealand's never, ever going to get to host a men's World Cup. So this is like the biggest football event that will ever be held in this country. So like it's a, it's a great opportunity. And I suspect it's probably one of those things that once it's here and it arrives, I think people will probably get into it. But I think it's just people are right in, you know, like in the moment, um, and yeah, they'll probably just wait until it's actually on their doorstep, and then finally they'll they'll take off. I think, like for me, I live in a town where there isn't games being played, um, but one of the the teams in the Netherlands are actually going to be based here for training. So um, they had a bit of a, a, a ballot lottery to to go and see one of their training sessions, and um, I'm hoping I get selected to go and see that because I think that's almost more interesting to me than going to see some of the games. I think, especially a team like the Netherlands, who were obviously were they finalists last yeah, time? Yeah, they lost to the US. So, yeah, know. yeah, yeah. So I think they're, they're obviously going to be a good team, and so to be able to watch them up close in a training session is probably almost as exciting as going to see a, an actual game, I think. Yeah, no, it's going to be very interesting to see how it will impact. Um, I will say quickly that, yeah, the connection, Michaela Foster, the daughter of, of uh, Ian Foster, of course, plays for the, uh, the football ferns, as they're called. But um, just that impact, I mean, obviously we're seeing a lot of it here in Australia, just sort of, you know, big games that are selling out and everything along that way. But sort of, you know, it looks like it's tracking to about 40, 45,000 for that opening game, New Zealand-Norway, which would be a record for women's football in your country. I don't, I, mean, I don't know if that might be a record for any football in your country. I don't know what the, the record is for even for a men's international game in New Zealand. But, I mean, yeah, I think you'll see a big impact. And I, I, I never discount hosts of any tournament. And I know New Zealand have that distinction of never having won a game at a Women's World Cup. But also there is this stat, and I love my stats, Nick, that every host of a Women's World Cup has always made it to at least the quarterfinals. There is also the other stat that unless you're the USA, the host has never made it past the quarterfinals. But I I've, I don't know. I, I feel like you'll make it out of the group. When we do our prediction for off the podium in a few days, I'm predicting you guys to, to sneak out. I don't know. I just feel you, like I was very wrong with Qatar last year. But um, <laughs> that doesn't count because they bought the World Cup. Even go back to South Africa, like in the Men's World Cup, the only other nation not to get out of the group stage, they only were eliminated on goal difference. So, you know, they were very close to making out and played very, very good football. So I, there's always something about the hosts. You know, look at Russia a few years ago, countries that nobody ever expected to do anything, and they do it. So I don't know. I think, I think you're going to do it. I think round of 16 minimum for New Zealand. Yeah, and I, I think as well, like I, I look, I think back on the probably New Zealand's most, not that there's many to choose from, but New Zealand football's most famous kind of World Cup campaign um, for the men was, you know, 2006 um, when, I think it was 2006, no, 2010, thanks, yeah, yeah get, them, get them confused, but um, yeah, and I mean, obviously we didn't we didn't make it out of the group, but we um, were the only team to not lose a game at that World Cup, you um, and, you know, so I, th- I guess my point is that if you can kind of, you know, get a lucky win, maybe a 1-0 win, and then you get a draw in the second game and you kind of go into that last game with everything to play for anything is possible I think with those kind of three game four team groups like things are possible if you do get a good result in that first game I think if, it, if the first game doesn't go well then yeah. and I think what we've got the states or whatever it is like it's probably no Norway sorry and that's that's probably not going to go our way but you just never know um, opening game and, though 40 odd thousand people you never know uh, yeah. I mean you've got yeah Philippines and Switzerland Philippines 
got some good connections in there. And Switzerland, you never really know there as well. So I don't, well, I don't know. And, and, and I think you kind of look at the, the, the women's rugby team last year. So obviously yeah. we had the Women's Rugby World Cup here last year. And, you know, like New Zealand were a team kind of in decline, they were talked about. And, you know, they had obviously won, I think, every version of that World Cup up until that one. We were hosting it. But we England were heavy, heavy favourites to win. They had kind of won everything for the last two years. And, you know, that home advantage just kind of came through and, and the women's um, rugby team ended up winning. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think anything is possible. So, yeah. What I can see here with a quick little Google, your biggest ever crowd, it seems, came in 2017 in the two-legged playoff against Peru. For right. the, uh, well, you got 37,034 people in Wellington for New Zealand against Peru. And then you also, uh, LA Galaxy, I had a 4-1 win, I believe it would have been over Wellington Phoenix. So you got 31,853 people nah. in 2008, I, actually, I think that might have been. I actually went to uh, the Galaxy game the year after when they came back and played in Auckland, and that yeah. was a bit of a, a bit of a fizzer. Like, nobody really turned up for that one, um, even though Beckham was there. But, um, yeah, so I, I, re- I do remember that game really well. There you go. There you go. So, I mean, you, you cr- all you got to do is beat 37,000 in that opening game, and it will be a men's or a women's record, which is, which is pretty exciting. So I think you can do it. I think that would be a, a big deal if that – happened and obviously we know in the men's world cup you've got a guaranteed spot for usa mexico canada so congratulations on uh, qualifying for your third world cup <laughs> well uh, and we've got a coach now too so we've actually oh. appointed a full-time coach in the, in the last uh, couple of days so that's always helpful which i know we've talked about this off air i don't know if we talked about this on air and if we did well welcome to another repeat version of the brink but with auckland joining the a league next year who are you going for? Who are you, like you're a bit of a oh, you're a bit Auckland. of a you will be an no, Auckland no. man yeah absolutely yeah i i think kind of like because to me it's like I want to be able to actually go and see games. And I think, you know, like Auckland will be closer and more realistic to go and see a game. Um, So, yeah, I'll be quite keen to to be like a a founding kind of member or supporter or whatever it is of the the Auckland club once we kind of get a bit more detail. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how the New Zealand derby will go and if they're just going to call it the New Zealand derby because – I, I know from living there that not many people like Auckland if you do if you don't live in Auckland. So I can't imagine that the Wellington the Phoenix is going to be like, oh, hello, neighbours to the north. Come down and play a friendly game. It's going to be like, fuck you, you're from Auckland. We're going to beat you. Well, it's kind of, yeah, I mean, like it's like going full circle, like going back to Super Rugby. It's really interesting because, like, obviously talk about these kind of, like, you know, local rivalry games, and it's like there isn't really that many. Like, I think, you know, being a Chiefs supporter, like, the border of either side of us is Auckland Blues and, and Wellington Hurricanes, and I don't really see either of them as particularly big rivals, but probably Auckland versus Canterbury is a big, you know, so the Crusaders versus the Blues is probably the biggest local one. Um, and so it would be cool to kind of build a local rivalry for, for the Phoenix, I think. It would be really cool for them to have a team that, you know, there's actual bragging rights to beat and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I think that's um, that's got a lot of potential. I've Yeah, I found that when I was, like, uh, you would assume like Southland would have a, I mean, they had a bit of a rivalry with a target. I guess when you kind of would have that level of things going on there but I don't know I never felt that people in Invercargill hated Dunedin or anything like that it was just like yeah let's go to Dunedin (laughs) yeah yeah I think it's yeah the 
we're kind of not really a country where people have kind of grown up living in one part of it for like that's the thing I find a kind of English football is that like you've got these people who despite the fact that they only live like you know 30 miles apart like they've actually like those those two town centres have kind of developed with people that have kind of lived there their whole lives yeah. and generations and you know maybe not travelled everywhere whereas I think Kiwis are travellers and so like they're kind of used to living all over the show and so yeah I, I just don't think you kind of get that real local parochial kind of nature it, we kind of take it to a national level right so Kiwis are very passionate about beating everybody else in the world like beating Aussies like that's the thing we love to do um, because we're the little cousin that you know shouldn't really be doing it um, based on population size i'm gonna actually ask you a quick question without notice before i let you go you mentioned the ashes before as a neutral as a non-aussie <laughs> or a non-english man what's your thoughts well <laughs> the 2019 cricket world cup is still burnt into my brain <laughs> and um you know like england quote unquote beat us to win that rugby, that cricket world cup final even though they didn't beat us um so england can get everything that's coming their way i really don't care um i think right that, there, you so. know, yeah I, look, I mean in all seriousness like it's within the rules of the game so i don't really care like i think something as big as the ashes like when you desperately want to win you do everything that's within the rules of the game to win you know like and i, and, and I mean this is coming from the country that had to deal with the underarm bowling incident back in the, this, the 80s or the 70s or whatever the hell that was so i think probably Probably like you know like take it with a grain of salt, but I, I didn't really see it as a massive issue. I, I didn't really understand what the big drama was, um, and you know like obviously there's a Kiwi coach in the England team as well. So yeah, it's, um, yeah so it, 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 it's an interesting thing. But yeah, like England will will not soon be forgiven for what happened in 2019, and um, so yeah, I think it's 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 uh, justice at long last maybe. One one of my favourite interviews I did in New Zealand was interviewing the guy who faced the underarm uh, ball. <laughs> But um, I, I mean, you know, it's serious shit when the prime ministers of Australia and England are, are voicing their opinions as well. So, <laughs> yeah. so. well, I mean, and it's good. I think probably my only thing that I'm probably disappointed by is that it would have probably made the the series more interesting if it had gone one one. Yeah. Because I think it's it's been a while since these two teams have been as evenly matched as they are. Um, and so, you know, it would be a shame if it ends up just, you know, Aussies win the next one and it's 3-0 and it's all over. You know, as a as a neutral, I would like to see it be a bit more even and maybe go into that final test with a lot riding on it. Are you, are you sad that we took your World Test Champions crown? I felt like you only won that yesterday and all of a sudden we won. Yeah, like, I don't know yeah. how quickly they do this turnaround, but that, that seemed ridiculously quick. It's kind of, I mean, no, nah, I'm, I'm not that worried about it. I, I think um, it's kind of funny to see India lose the final again. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, you, you may be picking up a, a theme here that I'm less worried about who wins and, and more amused by who loses. Um, so, so, yeah. There's I not think, that hatred uh, of Australia there, Nick. That's It's not. Uh... <laughs> well, I think kind of like it, it cracks me up because like India should be by miles the best. Team, and, and and I suppose they probably are. You know, like it's probably Aussie and, and, and India who are the two big ones. But, you know. On, on population basis and by how mad they are about cricket yeah. like India should win everything all the time and like I, I think they probably will win the World Cup this year because it's in their backyard and you know what cricket's like it's you know if you've got pitches that work for you you'll probably win so you know I would be putting a lot of money on and India to win this World Cup but um, yeah it's it's always quite funny when they do when they do lose well it's uh, hopefully going to continue that way for England because you say you want it to be close. I'm happy for a 5 nothing sweep again. <laughs> do, do like that. Shut up, England. Um, but always a pleasure, Nick. Thank you for joining us on the show once again.
Thanks for having me. Just calm down. I think it's Casey. She's back. Hello. Do you want me to? Do you want me to play the American national anthem to get you in the zone again, or you're good? I'm good. Okay. Thanks. All right. Now, um, in the modern world, people are lazy because they've in- introduced robots and artificial intelligence. Right. So, you know, you can go to Chat GPT, type in like, write me an essay on the history of Alaska. Right. So I've decided to join the bandwagon, and I've gone to Chat GPT. And I've typed in, give me 25 random and funny informative questions to ask a guest on a podcast. So, are you ready for this? I I haven't even read these myself. So, I don't know what this could be. All right. So, let's start with number one. If you could be any fictional character for a day, who would you choose and why? Wow. Good question. That is a good question. Um, Any fictional character. Um, I'm like torn between multiple. Give us a, give us a, give us a list. I mean, it would be real sweet to be a witch in the Harry Potter world. Like okay. be Hermione Granger because magic. Yep. That would be real fucking cool. Or be like the little mermaid and be a mermaid and... <laughs> Frolic in the ocean all day. Frolic that would also be ocean. really cool. <laughs> be a bit wet. Um, yeah, well, that's just like your universe. So Okay. All right. I like it. No, good answers. Uh, what's the weirdest thing you've ever eaten and did you enjoy it? I don't think I've ever eaten anything too weird. Well, of the things that you have eaten, what would be the weirdest? Um. You're <laughs> <laughs> so annoying. <laughs> this doesn't help. I think it helps a lot. <laughs> Does it? It's a... I still can't think of anything. No? Do you want to move on to the next question then? Wait, I don't know. What would you consider weird? I don't know. Have you eaten anything interesting? Like if you had snail or frog's legs or mm-hmm. I mean you've been to France? No. No. Yeah, but you didn't eat kangaroo when like, you were here, so you know I don't know. No. Um. Yeah. No. I feel like I really haven't eaten anything that out of the ordinary. I will say that you know, in the Parent Trap, where they eat Oreos with peanut butter, mm-hmm. I've tried that. Oh, that's, that's really good, good. Though. That's yum. Yeah. I think it is. It's, that's, that is a, yum. that's an interesting point because I think. Do you okay? Let's rephrase that question. Do you have like a an interesting food combination that some people would look down on? Like I had a recent conversation where I was judged for my love of eating a piece of bread with barbecue sauce in it. That's weird, and most people would find that disgusting, but it's actually delicious, and I love yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, you've got weird things with sauces. And... <laughs> Add a slice of cheese in it, melt it in the microwave for ten seconds. Mwah. Beautiful. Okay. Well, that's basically just a toasty. Um, any weird food combinations? I love some sharp cheddar with a spicy pickle. That's really good. I don't think that's, yeah, I know. (laughs) But I don't think that's too weird because there was like a whole TikTok trend of people wrapping melted cheese around a pickle and then eating it. Are you on TikTok yet? I'm Uh, I'm, I'm really caving into the TikTok. I think I'm going to get it, Casey. What am I meant to do with that? I don't know. I'm more in the, I watch TikToks on Instagram mm. 
way after they've been on TikTok. Well, I think it's more of a business uh, opportunity, I say, but we'll see how it goes before I start doing silly little TikToks because I'm cool that way. Uh, if you could invent a new mm-hmm. holiday, what would it be called and how would people celebrate it? I mean, obviously it would be my birthday. and <laughs> Casey Day. <laughs> yeah. Be celebrated with fireworks everywhere. Yep. Everybody buying me gifts. <laughs> okay. No, that's that's <laughs> valid. I like it. It's almost like Christmas too. Uh, what's the most embarrassing <laughs> yeah. thing you have ever done in public? Oh. Um... I probably blocked them all out of my mind. <laughs> Good answer. That's something I want to think about. How drunk were you at the time? I mean, <laughs> well, there probably were some embarrassing drunk moments. We've like all got them. Falling on the ground in college. And <laughs> also, there was one time in college. I mean, I guess this isn't that embarrassing, but like had my phone in my hand and like drunkenly stumbled and flung it and it went straight down a like sewer grate. My friend who was more sober had to like lean in, lean in and get it out while I sat on the sidewalk and cried. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I love the fact that there were tears involved. There you go. Um, <laughs> if animals could talk, which one do you think would be the rudest? That's a great question. And we know it's a cat, right? Come on, cats would be rude. <laughs> I don't think they'd be rude. I think they'd be a little arrogant. No, no, no. I don't think they'd be straight up rude. I think geese would be rude. Geese? Okay. Yeah. Canadian Those geese? Those things are dicks. Yeah. The rudest Canadians are Canadian yeah. geese. Okay, all right. I like that. Mm-hmm. What's your go-to karaoke song? And can you give us a quick rendition? I am not singing for you. No. <laughs> What's your go-to karaoke usually, song? It usually it'd be like anything, like Backstreet Boys, Spice Girls, okay. classic, I've early never Britney. Done, never done karaoke with you. We need to do that. Uh, if you were a no. superhero, what would your superpower be and would you name yourself? And what would you name yourself, I should say? Hmm. I would want to teleport, mm-hmm. like just travel anywhere instantly. I don't know what interesting superhero name would go with that. Teleportation girl. Sure. <laughs> Teapot <Good> girl. <laughs> Teapizzle do nizzle. Um, sure, you can take that one. Uh, what's the funniest joke you've ever heard and why is it the Toronto Maple Police? I'm sorry, and what... Why? What's the funniest joke you've ever heard that always makes you laugh? <laughs> I, I was a bit late on that one. That one was pretty good. That was pretty good, actually. That's my one per episode. You're welcome. I'm proud of you. Funniest joke. I think I'm really bad at answering questions on the spot. Yeah, do you need me to send these to you like a week in advance? So you can be like, ha ha, do I have an answer for you, Ben? Yes, <laughs> my brain just goes blank. Well, you are on like, the brink, so you do fit in quite well there. Yeah, <laughs> good job. Um, funniest joke. Clearly. Do you know any jokes? 
Apparently not. All right, we can, <laughs> we can so, skip over it. Come back. When, to it. My brain just immediately. Well, you got to know blank. the answer to this one. I already know the. I don't even need to ask you this one. If you had to live in a fictional world from a book or a movie, which one would you choose and why? Yeah, Harry Potter. Yeah, easy, done. There you go. Can you describe your worst fashion choice from the past, and do you have any photos to prove it? <laughs> I don't think I have any photos, or I mean, probably do just buried in a box somewhere but i think just middle school was all like awkward fashion choices you know in like 10 years time that that's going to be cool again right like i mean fuck i mean it already is yeah like the mullet like, like fuck off come on yeah like when we were all in middle school wearing like the double polo shirts like with the popped collars like i've already seen that again now mm. and it's terrible well and the low-rise jeans and the just really like weird accessories like the really skinny like long scarves so trendy like, why was that cool. a thing? i don't know but i guess we're gonna look back at today and think why why were these a thing that we're wearing today as well it happens all the time yeah right? or like the really small sunglasses like mm. what is the point but mm-hmm. mm-hmm. well, now you've got those really weird square ones that just look awful but sure <laughs> Uh, yeah, if you I could, like my classic ones. If you could have any animal as a pet, regardless of practicality or legality, that's a mouthful, what would you choose? Polar bear. Polar bear. They're <laughs> my favorite animal. Yeah, they're my favorite animal. They're oh. so cute. Pretty um fun, like come home, there you go, and peep the polar bear. Like, yeah, just cuddle food. with a giant polar bear. It's so cute. I'm sure they'd like cuddling. Um... What is I, well? This said ignoring practicality. True, true. In no, my no, fictional world, I'll, I'll 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 take a step back there. All right, you are correct. Was that the Golden Compass? Wasn't that that movie with Daniel Craig and Nicole Kidman that they had like a polar bear that did shit? Um, it was like a book series, I think. I don't know. Anyway, uh, I what, can vaguely picture the remember? book cover. Yeah, but, they made yeah. like there was like you know sort of around when Daniel Craig had just started as James Bond. They made a movie. It was like him and Nicole Kidman didn't do very well, so I don't think they ever wanted to make a sequel to it. Uh, what is the strangest talent or skill you have that most people don't know about? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I can do that thing with my tongue where you like curl it into like a, like a clover shape. A clover shape. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh Wow. Okay. Well, good to know that if you're ever stuck in a situation where you need to get rain in your mouth, you've got like a bowl that you can just uh, scoop it into. So, Okay. Uh, if you had to live without one modern Ooh. invention for the rest of your life, what would it be and why? Uh, like really anything? Like one modern invention? Like yes. I could go without my blow dryer. <laughs> sure. Like, okay. I could just not blow dry my hair ever again. I'd be fine with that. I don't think I've ever used one in my life. So, you know, yeah. um, there you go. What is the most ridiculous rumor you've ever heard about yourself? I don't think I've ever heard any rumors about myself. I think I'm pretty well, I can lame start one if in you that like. way. Do you want me to start one? <laughs> no, Ben. <laughs> Sorry, Casey. Uh, not at school not like oh my god Casey likes Chad oh my god they're going out together like no, nothing like that 
No, I think I mostly just flew under the radar. Like, yeah, screw Chad. Never did anything. <laughs> never did anything dramatic enough to like warrant starting a rumor. Uh, if you were stranded on a deserted island, which three items would you want to have with you? I mean, does my phone count? <laughs> if it works, sure. I guess my phone. Um, some needlepoint. <laughs> Keep myself busy. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming basic necessities like food don't count, right? Like, but there's no specifics. There. <laughs> if you want to choose it, you can choose it. <laughs> Chatbot. Chat GPT doesn't make the rules I do. Yeah. Uh, mini fridge full of LaCroix. <laughs> Done. All right. I like it. <laughs> if you could... Oh, no. Hang on. I missed one here. Uh, what's the most memorable thing you've ever overheard someone say? Um, really nothing memorable. <laughs> See, I'm terrible at this. Like... <laughs> You're doing well. You're getting there. All right. Again, we can always I come think back. I have like a really bad memory. That's like, fine. Things just I'm don't ben, stick in by my the head. Way, this is the brink, just so you remember, in case you've forgotten. Oh, there. really? Yep. If you could have a conversation with any historical figure, who would it be and what would you talk about? Mm, wow. Well, like, a lot of options with that one, too. Um. Don't need to play the music again. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So um, angry. I would say, like, there's probably just, like, there's a lot. Give me one. Just pick one out. Random. I mean, I don't know, like, Queen Elizabeth. Go for it. Chat about, Works, yep. like, long, she was in the public space for such a long time and did a like it's a lot of pressure would okay. no I like it want to like chat yeah about her experiences it'd be cool are you a, are you a, are you a swifty lizzie oh i absolutely adore her isn't she a delight there you go conversation started that could work <laughs> sure she would have been so dumb. dumb that was a compliment that was the nicest thing i've said about her probably to you ever um what is the silliest fear you had as a child that you're embarrassed to admit Well, I think, like, the main things that I fear as a child, I still fear. Like, spiders and heights. They're not silly to um, admit. That works. No. Yeah. So, if you're, like, on top of a mountain with a spider. <laughs> worst nightmare. <laughs> That's, um, what if, what if I said to you, what if I said to you right now, oh, Casey. Oh, wait. Oh, I have you? a good, like, Go ahead. Uh, an actual kind of like dumb thing that I was scared of as a kid. So, uh, as like a five year old or something, I saw the Tower of Terror movie on, it was like on Disney Channel around Halloween or something. And there was like a headless butler hmm. or something. I like very vaguely remember it. And that freaked me out so bad that like, then shopping in the mall, like any mannequin that didn't have a head on it, wow. like freaked me out. 
<laughs> I get that. I was that way. I was weirdly scared of skeletons as a kid. So like a skull or skeletons would freak me out. So every time I saw like a movie or a TV show, I'd have to skip it because it would like scare me. So um, I was going to ask you though, like if you, if right now I said to you, Casey, I have got front row seats to Taylor Swift. You can hang out with her for like five hours after the show. Like, it's, the world is your oyster for one night, but you've got to spend an hour on top of the Empire State Building's aerial with a spider. <laughs> Just chilling. How you going? Spider crawl all over me while I'm above you. I don't think I could do it. Oh, but you get all that with... Oh, okay, all right, yeah. No, like, I'm so bad. Like... <laughs> Just I was I was putting out there. I've got a lot of connections with this show. Um, can you share mm-hmm. and careful with this answer? Can you share a funny or awkward moment from a first date? <laughs> Just be careful. Well, you don't want answer. to talk <laughs> talk about the. Um, We've never been on dates. What are you talking those, about? <laughs> those two girls we made friends with <laughs> randomly. Well, they were sharing like cool links with us in the songs about stuff. So you know. It's like my third night in New York. <laughs> Is that your answer? Yeah. <laughs> uh, what was the question? Can you share funny, a funny like or awkward, awkward moment from a first date? Um, <laughs> I mean, most of my first dates have just been really boring. Like, Thank you. Nothing's too funny or awkward. Yeah, you're welcome. No, I do. I no. I think those like those two girls that we like randomly made yeah. friends with. Yeah, they were a bit odd. That was a bit was strange. funny. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, of all the first dates I've been on with you, that was funny. Um, if you could create a new ice cream flavor, what would it be called, and what would be the main ingredients? Um, there was talking in the background there. <laughs> Lindsay's. Yep. And he got the TV on. She's um, really into it. I hope it's a good show. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. I don't know. Like, is there even new ice cream flavors to make? Like, I feel like I would want something unique, like something like with like lavender in it or something. Okay. Interesting. All right, we'll take that. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the most unusual or unique hobby you've ever tried, and how did it go? Um, I mean, I used to tap dance. Ooh, that's fun. Can you give us yeah, a give us a fun. bit of an example right now? No. Damn, you got to do my job. <laughs> I got to ask that. All right, I'll take that. Uh, if you had to change your name, what would you choose and why? I like my name. All right. So you wouldn't change it? No, I like my name. Not to I like... feel like Casey was unique. Like, I never really met another Casey. No, no Gertrude or Felina or... No, all right, okay. Just... No. Uh, what's the most... No, I like my name. Well, good. That's that's the main thing. Thanks, Mum and Dad. What's the most ridiculous... Would you change your name? I don't like Benjamin. It's a bit, you know... I don't know. Like, it's... As a kid, I didn't really like my name, but... Eh, you, I've been with it now for a while, so I guess it's kind of there. <laughs> I don't know. 
Uh, probably not. I'd, I'd call myself like fucking legend. There you go. <laughs> Hi, I'm fucking legend. <laughs> uh, what's the most ridiculous excuse you've ever used to get out of doing something you didn't want to do? And I guess be careful here because you might, I might sound familiar here or something like that. Oh yeah, what have I told you? <laughs> um, <laughs> also, yeah, like what should I admit publicly? <laughs> no one listens to this show. It's fine. I mean, I once didn't want to um, do work stuff, and so told them that, like the fire alarm was going off in our building and had to leave. So. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> not, 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 not getting COVID so that you had to uh, stay somewhere else. <laughs> Don't want to admit to that. I honestly, I honestly sometimes forget that yep. I said that. Yep. Because, I mean, that's something I really should remember because I haven't actually ever had COVID. But... If it Some comes up at work, they, you might want to remember that you have had COVID, of course. Hey, Casey, you had COVID? No, wait a minute. Uh, <laughs> they've got very long memories. Yeah. So. Yeah, so, oops. You're welcome. Yeah, no, that one was. <laughs> Thanks for the reminder. You're welcome. Uh, two more to go. If you could have any celebrity be your personal assistant for a day, who would you choose and what tasks would you assign them? Get me a coffee, Tay-Tay. No, Richie, Richie I Madden. would want, mm, no, I would want like a celebrity chef to be my personal assistant. And what they do is go grocery shopping for me and then <laughs> cook a month's worth of meals for me. Good like, answer. That's, that's, that's the smart answer. Yeah. Well done. I like it. Mm-hmm. Last one. And Thank I really, I really hope you answer the, with what I want you to answer with. And if you don't, I might have to out you on air with this story. Can you share a funny childhood story that your family loves to retell? I mean, tell it. Is it all the times I like tried to kill my sister? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yes, tell about the times you tried to murder your sister. I mean, I was young and innocent, but. I like. I don't even know if my intention was murder or just. <laughs> That's what all the murderers say in jail. Don't know if I really intended to kill them. Well, I had her drink a like air freshener <laughs> plug-in. <laughs> but mm, hey, see, want to try the new flavor of Coke? Mmm, it's lavender and frangipani. <sighs> See, but yeah, like I don't know if I like was actually trying to like make her sick or if we were like playing and it's like this smells good. I don't want to <laughs> drink it, but I think you should. Wow. <laughs> and the, well, and then I like definitely pushed her off of a jungle gym. Um, well, I was gonna say it's not like you at least shoved her. Like by getting her to drink poison, that's like thinking that's a bit more sinister. Like pushing you off something or tripping you. Oh, there's a car. Don't fall in front of it. Like, okay. But like, hey, sis. I mean, the plug-in, it turned out to be non-toxic. No, My mom well, called poison pl- control and they checked. Your plan, but... your plan fell through. I was like four. <laughs> well, that's when it starts. 
I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it was more like we were playing like potions or something, and just like oh, that age-old childhood game of potions. Well, it's definitely something we used to do. Like wow, mix like lotion and soap and stuff together to make good-smelling stuff. And I think I must have just told her to. I, I'm never drink that drinking one. anything you give me again. All right. Just just saying. Uh, I don't want to drink your potion anymore. Fine. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. That sounded uh, weird. That was fun. We will uh, do that again. And let's go to something else. And we'll come back and close it off with Casey very shortly. <laughs> we always like to bring you a taste of some of the other shows that come under the Brink umbrella. First taste, we're going to bring you snippet from the Oz Network, our TV and movie arm of this great podcasting family. We've started Anniversary Month on the Oz Network where we celebrate four films that are celebrating an anniversary this year. We started off with American Graffiti celebrating its 50th anniversary in 2023. And let's just say Colin and I, when it comes to trying to get Patreons on that show, we're apparently a little bit desperate. Can we just take a moment to Bryce Dallas Howard, lover. Yes. Oh, that, that's... You literally did take a moment. That. There we go. <laughs> we took a moment. There we go. <laughs> Taking a moment with Bryce Dallas Howard. <laughs> Followed by touching things with Ron Howard. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to show Ron Howard walking around a room. Like, let's let's take it out of the gutter. Hi, I'm Ron Howard. This is a pen. <laughs> I'm touching it. This is a mug. I'm touching it. It, it, it. could be like... Uh, you know how cooking shows or things they'll very be very descriptive. It's like it has a hint of mint in it, yeah. <laughs> whatever. This would be like, hmm, it's got a very light, smooth texture, it's... almost like plastic. You know those stupid AMSR things where people are like, hmm, I'm chewing oh, yeah. on a thing. Like it's just it's that. I honestly like right now. I'm running too many notes. I've written down six best of moments for this episode, Colin. Um, I think We're our, wrong. our best of 2023 is just going to be the American Graffiti recap. <laughs> Can we just do some ASMR on here too? Do you have any chips left that I could do I, loud chewing of? I read an article the other day, and by saying read an article, I did the 2023 thing where I read the headline. A woman is getting paid $10,000 on Twitch for people to watch her sleep. Fuck yeah. off. You can do it too. I am going to like, I remember when this became a thing, there were like the people in like Japan or Korea who would be paid thousands of dollars to sit there and eat fucking noodles. Like, like this is like, I want, I'm going to like charge for people to watch me on this, like the behind the scenes. We can't even get people to pay for fucking Patreon. Does somebody going to want to actually see the video? Because we don't release the video of this. So, yeah. you know, like, fuck off. Pay me $10,000 well, to sleep. I do it every night. Listen, you could pay me $10 to watch Paul Lamatt's Twitter feed for six hours, Okay. I will do it right now. I'm putting that out right, right now. Somebody wants to sign up to our highest tier Patreon for a single month. I will do six straight hours of watching Paula Matt's Twitter feed. <laughs> With the amount of things we bribe people on this and 007 to sign up. <laughs> we can't no even bribe them. Does. Hey, we have more followers than Paula Matt. I what is lit- wrong with this world? I, I will I will have sex with you if you sign up. <laughs> What? Wait, wait, wait. Me or the person who signs Colin. up? Colin. With Colin. I well, <laughs> And I'm, I'm sitting here as Cindy Williams is like, well, you want to just go ahead. Just slug me already, Ben. <laughs> With and consent. Like, Come on. Not about all the things you told me about watching your brother in the shower, Colin. <laughs> With consent. If he agrees to it. I don't know why I went that direction. Um, 
I don't know. I'm just going to start making lies. Like, you can get tickets to Taylor Swift because that's all that fucking people care about this week. Shut up. with Like, seriously, don't pay $1,000 to see a sellout perform. If you want to do that, you can see me. <laughs> it sold out right now. I was the only one who paid. An audience of one. It's sold out right now. People are paying right now with their time listening to this torture. <laughs> yes. It is uh, kind of torture, just like listening to The Brink. But, hey, we like to bring you some content there. You can listen to that full episode now available on the Oz Network. And a teaser one right now for you on one of our other shows, Off the Podium, our Olympics podcast, award-winning podcast. Thank you very much. We've got a great interview, a massive interview coming away in October where we speak to the legendary, iconic Johnny Weir, two-time Olympic figure skater for the U.S., of course, has gone on to great big things in the media across in the U.S. And one of those involves... Being in movies, not only was he in a movie, but he also had a character based upon him star in a movie. Well, a character was a main character, an actor played. You'll get the gist. You'll hear this. Let's hear what Johnny Weir had to say in regards to his movie career. I've got to ask the question. Is it true John Hedder's character in Blades of Glory is based on you? Oh, yeah. They called me before <laughs> the the film came out just to let me know. I think so that I wouldn't sue them for... Uh, <laughs> violating uh life rights or or likeness rights or whatever it could be um but they called and said hey johnny uh we're we're gonna make fun of you in the movie and it was it was like will ferrell's person that called me and um later i was i was filming a scene with ben stiller and will ferrell for zoolander 2 it got cut and i, I was gonna to ask you about that because I, I i went back to watch Sue we and i couldn't find, find you so i was assuming maybe it got cut i'm actually the first picture they show in the credits so that's my crazy fame. <laughs> I, I still get um sad credits for it and i still get residual checks for like 20 cents wow uh, every while but um yeah so I I got the call and they said, we're going to make fun of you. And John Hedder's character obviously uh, was making fun of my swan costume with his peacock costume and just some of his the way he approached press conferences. Because at that time in my life, I was already delivering press conferences in Russian, French and English. So he spoke Japanese in the movie. And um, I, I thought it was the coolest thing. I mean, it's the highest form of flattery to to be able to parody someone. Yeah, um, and Will Ferrell's later, weirdly uh, connected to your loves, like figure skating, and now obviously Eurovision. So I don't know. Maybe maybe he follows me. I don't know. He's he he's a sweet man. He uh, so I'd never been an actor before, and I we talked briefly about me hitting marks and how difficult that was. But uh, they invited me to be in Zoolander too because Zoolander loves a celebrity cameo, and I I use the word celebrity loosely. Okay, I don't think of myself <laughs> like that. I'm a person that does really cool stuff. Um, and sometimes people know who I am, but, um, they called and asked if I would do it. So I went to Rome and I, that's where they were filming. <laughs> I went to you Rome. You just go there for fun. Like, oh, sorry, I'm just going to Rome tomorrow, Ben. Uh, don't mind yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, I'll be there. Um, so I just kind of waited around for a few days and then they were like, okay, we need you on set finally. So I was playing a prison warden in roller skates that was taking Derek or Ben Stiller to visit Mugatu, Will Ferrell in prison. And my scene wasn't with Will, but it was with Ben Stiller, who was also directing himself as he was working. And I had to deliver lines and there weren't many of them, but I was also on roller skates, inexplicably, I guess the skating. Um, (laughs) 
we were filming in this old kind of hippodrome thing, tunnel, so it looked like a, a weird prison world. And at the end of the tunnel was just a wall of camera, sound, directors, papers, just people. And then on the other, behind me, I didn't realize it until after our first take, but Will Ferrell was sitting there with his headphones on watching every take that I did and was just so excited. He's a big Olympics fan. Um, like, it, it boggles my mind when I meet famous people and they're excited to meet me. Wow. That's a cool thing that yeah. happens. Um, but anyway, that's that's that. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to hear the next question, you want to hear more of those questions, tune into Off the Podium a little bit later this year. That was an exclusive, I just want to say. First time that it has been heard out there. So if you like that, get excited to hear more about Johnny, tune into Off the Podium later this year, as I said, in October, as well as all our other fantastical guests that we have weekly for you on that show. <laughs> Okay, earlier on the show, uh, I introduced Casey as the 87th greatest American. Now, I've just gone to chat GPT and I've typed in, give me 86 Americans. So I can tell you now that in order, we've got John Smith, Sarah Johnson, Michael Davies, uh, Davis, Jennifer Brown, Robert Martinez, Jessica. I thought these would be like famous people, but I mean. No, that just sounds like a whole bunch of like Timothy generic Cook, names. Head of uh, Apple, he's in there. Uh, Shannon Barnes at 60. And coming in at 86, Olivia Bailey. Look, I'm honestly going to say I think you're better than Olivia Bailey. So I think this list is wrong. Um, oh, but Paul Ross at 77. What a guy Paul Ross is. He's my favorite. <laughs> Love Paul Ross. Really? Um, Casey, it's been fun. Thank you for joining us. I've learned a lot about you today. I've learned that you're a bit of a murderer, which is always fun. And um, hey, I haven't murdered you yet. Well, there's always time. So mm-hmm. uh, give it time. But uh, everyone else who's listened, thanks for listening to Nick, to everything else that we played. Tune in, like, subscribe, do all the fun stuff. And are you going to give us our closing line today, Casey? Am I, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give you the honour. Do you remember it? No. Okay. So let's try this. Keep <laughs> something, suck- something. Keep sucking those oranges. Something Hobart. Hobart. Yep. Right. Okay. So we'll try yeah. that. So let's, I'll hand it over to you. Keep sucking those oranges, Hobart, and good night whenever you're ready. Thank you, Casey. such a dumb line. Yep, it really is, but you're doing very well with it. Yeah. Keep sucking those oranges, Hobart, and good night.